You got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electric People. Today we have on the uh, fast, fastly famous Eric Bonarigo from the Boston North office. He's been a rep uh, with the company roughly two years now and um, started with us due to COVID, right? That's right. So um, Eric uh, has hit franchise multiple quarters. One of the most fun guys to have on the team. Uh, he's quickly gained a ton of influence on the team. I think uh, widely regarded as one of our uh, you know, leaders on that team, as uh, kind of unofficial leaders. And um, I think a lot of people really kind of look up to you and admire your story. And so I wanted to have you on today and kind of share some of how you got here and also just you know what's made you really successful with the job. So I think you have some really fun uh, insights and uh, unique perspective on the way you approach the job. So anyway, glad to have you on, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So um, two years ago, you are running a successful uh, events company where you do event, where you basically like somebody has a huge event, they want to do a wedding, a bar mitzvah, a birthday, mm-hmm. whatever. They're calling, you know, your company. You're providing all the audio, the video, lighting, just everything. DJs, like you're the guy that like makes the event just pop and be incredible. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, COVID hits. And things like events just don't happen anymore because we can't get people together anymore, right? Yeah, we're completely shut down. So you're sitting there. And and by the way, like for everyone listening, like this wasn't just like a little side hustle. Like Eric was making very good money, highly successful, maybe the premier events company north of Boston. One of them. And one of them for sure. And uh, doing very, very well. And... um. All of a sudden, you're sitting here like, what's going through your mind when COVID hits? So I freaked out. You know, I didn't know how long it was going to shut us down. I had no idea. Uh, And at first, um, you know, I was just hoping that it would come back maybe a month, two months, you know, and then once after a while, it started dragging out. And then none of my friends had jobs and I didn't really know what to do. We didn't really know what to do. So all we were doing was just kind of partying constantly, which was the wrong <laughs> thing to be doing, obviously. During well, because you just thought it, this is temporary. <laughs> like, it, I'm sure it'll get we'll get over it. Well, right. It was a nice little forced hiatus. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you I had a, it sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I'm, I'm being honest. Yeah, that's what we were doing constantly. And then I got to a point where, um, you know, my health was declining, my bank account was declining, and then it just kind of became a huge problem. Didn't really know what the future would hold, if it would ever come back. Um, all of my accounts, and I had deposits too, from brides and mitzvahs and sweet 16s. So I had to give people money back that I pretty much already spent for oh, business man. So not only are you just watching your, your funds deplete every month because you're not making any money, yeah. you had to refund. How much money did you have to refund? A lot. A lot. Give or take. <laughs> a lot. I don't, I don't want to get into it. Thousands. Tens, thousands, of, tens, tens of thousands of, thousands. of dollars. Okay. So, so it, it added A substantial up. amount. A huge amount. A huge amount. Enough to kind of kind of freak out. Um, and then I was basically, I was on my boat just kind of partying. because I, I didn't really know what else to do. 
And um, one of the girls that came, it was a friend of a friend on the boat. She said, you know what, Eric, you should get into solar. Um, my boyfriend quit his job. He's doing solar. He's making you know this much money. You should check it out. And the amount of money that she said was kind of like suspicious. So I'm like, ah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> sounds a little sus. Like, it sounds a little suspicious. Yeah. It seemed like it was too good to be true. Yeah. And then I met him uh, later on that night. It was Phoenix Salula, actually Deluna, out of one of the other offices. Felix Luna. Fe Luna. That's right. Sorry, Felix. And uh, yeah, it was his girlfriend that was on the boat. I don't know where Felix was, but she was on the boat. <laughs> Thanks, Felix. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, I, feel like and, that's a, I feel like that's an ongoing theme yeah. on the boat. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> Guys are not involved. No. <laughs> not allowed to come. So, um, so basically, so he came over later on. We met up with him, and he was telling us about the job and what it entails, and that's kind of what piqued my interest about it in general. Put a post up online just asking people about the job and what it entailed, and a few people reached out to me, and they had the same exact thing to say. Amazing opportunity, and they were just so pumped up about the opportunity. It seemed like it was too good to be true, Yeah. and that's when I went in and, um, and had an interview and, uh, and decided that I was going get, to get started, basically. Mm. Yeah. So you have one of the one of the best um, kind of first entries into Sunrun that we've maybe ever had. So yeah. uh, you you're invited to come to a correlation meeting on like a random Tuesday or Friday, right? Yeah. Do you remember what day of the week it was? I think it was a Friday. A Friday. I think it was a Friday. So you show up and then also didn't weren't you wearing like a suit? Like a <laughs> I was not wearing a suit. No, I was wearing like dress pants. I had dress shoes on. You were you were looking nice. I was looking nice, a little too nice. No one told me there was a nice. dress code involved. Right. Yeah. So he's showing up I was wearing a dress. Out of place. He's wearing dress shoes, dress pants, like yeah. button-up shirt kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And comes to a meeting, and like all a lot of our meetings, they introduce uh, visitors that are there checking it out, right? So you have to stand up, say your name, you know, just a little about yourself, whatever. And our manager there at the time. Uh, would uh, he usually will put people on the spot and kind of be like, well, tell us like if you had to have dinner with four famous people, who would it be? Or just like that kind of those types of questions. Right. And what did he ask you? So he asked me if I had any hidden talents. Uh, and I told him I could do a backflip. I've been doing backflips since I was 15 years old without a problem. Okay. Um, just like standing backflip. Just standing backflip. So obviously all the guys, we're outside. It's in a soccer field. All the guys are kind of cheering me on. He's like, do it, do it. So I'm like, all right. So I took off my shoes. Wait, so this is out outdoors? It was outdoors because it was during COVID. So we oh, were that's right. Meetings and okay. Yeah. I was thinking it was in the office for this no, whole entire time. No. Yeah, it was in a soccer field. And so I did like a running backflip where you run, you do like a round, kind of like a cartwheel into a backflip. So I was way high up in the air, uh, but I forgot that I had a face mask on. So the face mask midair went up over my eyes so I couldn't really gauge the landing. Oh my God. In midair, I, I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble, but I just kind of winged it. Um, didn't really know where the ground was. And then when I hit the ground, I hit my leg twisted just a little bit, um, and it ripped a tendon in my knee. I didn't know what it was at first. I never ripped anything before. I could hear the sound through my body. Oh. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, and then my knee immediately swelled up. I carried through the rest of the meeting afterwards, just thinking that I maybe pulled something. Yeah, you like it walked was a it off, tear. tough guy. Like you I know. walked it off, put some ice on it. I mean, I had to have someone go over and get my car for me. It was it was pretty bad. Went to the hospital. Um, so you, drove, you came to your first meeting, yeah. do a, you're asked if you have any special talents, you know, you're trying to be Mr. Show off. And yeah. so of course you go with maybe your best special talent, your best hidden talent, which is a backflip, <laughs> yeah. blow your knee out. 
yeah. in the backflip in dress pants in a field. Yeah. And I was like, I'm like, I hope I got the job. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, hope I, got the- I messed up the backflip. I hope I get the job. I hope I get the job. And then you drove straight to the hospital. Right to the hospital. Right to the hospital. Okay. And, and they did uh, they did an MRI and they said, yeah, you have to get surgery. You're not going to be able to walk again unless you get surgery. So oh. I had to get surgery. Um, and keep in mind, guys, like if, if you see the video – Eric's not like your average human. I mean, he's in very good shape, very athletic, gym rat. I mean, his his life is like, you know, it's like the you know gym tan laundry, right? So it's like okay. gym work laundry basically. Yeah. And um, and all of a sudden you can't even bend over. You can't walk. You you're walk. You're wearing a cast on your leg. I mean, yeah. this like major wrench in your life and you're about to start a door-to-door sales job right yeah it was terrible so i was in bed for after surgery i was in bed for easily two weeks and i had to have my legs straight i'd have it elevated i couldn't get up i was in pain i was on painkillers it it was it was terrible i'll never forget a real funny story so i wanted to take a shower (laughs) okay so i wrapped the trash bag over my leg and around my leg itself but i forgot to shave first Mm -hmm. i don't know why i wasn't thinking and then after I got out of the shower, I had to rip the tape off my leg. It ripped all the hair off my leg, and it was just completely excruciating. It was <laughs> it was brutal. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it was just one thing after the next. It would have been great to have on film. I was te- it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. But it was a humbling experience. It really was. So you're laying in bed. You're just thinking about, you know, um, my finances. I don't know. I was thinking about COVID. Yeah, because at this my point, at this point your, your, business, yeah, your business is in the shambles. Yeah. You're... you're entertainment business you're um you're just starting a new job you've never done door-to-door sales in your life uh and then on top of that you just blow out your knee which unfortunately you kind of need to go door-to-door yeah yeah and now you're just laying in bed with your bank account depleting starting a new job you've never ever done direct sales before Mm -hmm. with a blown acl or MCL, ACL, MCL. My, my patella tendon. Yeah. Okay. And then, and you're just laying there going like, what is happening? Like when it rains, it pours. Exactly. It was terrible. I was at rock bottom for sure. And I was very emotional. I mean, it was bad. I was crying. Like, it really? Was, it was terrible. Yeah. It was bad. I mean, that, that was rock bottom for me. I didn't know what I could, because the one thing that I had control of was my health at that point. Right. My finances were gone. Um, you know, I didn't deplete in quickly and all I had was my health going to the gym to kind of keep me motivated, keep me in a good mood, keep my serotonin high and my endorphins pumping. I didn't have that. I was just in bed thinking about my life and not knowing what the future holds. It was terrible. It was terrible. Probably one of the worst experiences I've had. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. But it was a blessing. It was a blessing in disguise. I mean, you have a really nice home. Um, you know, a real, I mean, very nice home. If you guys haven't ever, I mean, not to like brag for you, but you're probably 4,000 square foot home, like really nice place, nice cars, Range Rover. Like, I mean, he was crushing it with this other business. And all of a sudden your life gets turned upside down real quick. And the answer in your mind was door to door sales. That's it. With a blown out knee. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, and, and on top of that, you're starting during COVID. Right. So even going door to door was not even something that we could even do at that time. So like, right. what was your game? I mean, you, probably some of the ignorance you had going into this job was pretty helpful, yeah. to be honest. Because I think if you knew everything you know today, 
and then he went back, you're probably like, probably not going to do that job, mm. you know? No, I was. It, I think just laying in bed, though, it really helped me to kind of motivate myself to want to just take the reins with this job. Yeah. And I went online. I was watching videos. I was watching, you know, podcasts and doing everything I could. So when I was better, that I could just jump into this full force mm. and just being a complete animal. Yeah. So I had, at that point in time, I had kind of, you know, convinced myself that I was going to give it my all once I was back up. And in my combine, I was on crutches. I was going door to door in the beginning on crutches. Um, and, and I was out there, you know, cause the second you get your first AC, you're on the clock, you gotta go. Yeah. And I went out with Kenzie and I have a picture to this day of me and uh, Mackenzie out in the doors on my crutches, you know, and I, and I saved that picture. I should frame it honestly. But, um, first but yeah, day, first day, first day. Yeah. It was brutal. It was absolutely You should brutal. frame that. That's cool. It was a cool photo. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kenzie was a huge part of my support system and, um, and getting me kind of excited and she was the mom cause it's tough to like you know, be emotional with another guy sometimes, but I'm able to do so with, with Kenzie. And she's really was a huge part of my support system, especially in the beginning mm. throughout the whole process. Yeah. yeah Mackenzie's sure. amazing. Oh, she's awesome. Um, so you get started in your, a very, I, I think you're a natural salesman, but you had a really quick start. You had what? 37 welcome calls in your combine, 34, 34 welcome calls in your combine. Yeah. Um, at the time, or maybe still is the record in Boston North. Yes, yeah, the record. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, tell us about your combine and just how do you feel like what for, for people that are starting now or that are in their combine currently, or even if they didn't have a great combine, what were some of the things that you did to get out to a really fast start? So definitely, you know, getting out there and falling flat on your face as much as you can in the beginning. It's discouraging. It's tough. I wanted to quit almost every week. You yeah. know, it was really difficult. It was super, super difficult. Um, and I think that's the, the best thing to do is get out there and just fail as much as possible. Um, and the more you fail, the more you learn. And you just got to remind yourself that you're, you're doing this for, for the big picture, you know. And then once you kind of develop some momentum and you're out there constantly, you, you learn. You know, and, and it takes a while and you kind of develop these skills and go out and shadow different people. Because every time you go and you shadow someone else, you'll see a different part of their style as something that they're doing that you can incorporate into your own style. Mm. And then after I'd shadow a few people, I go out back on my own, um, kind of start trying some of these different things I'd see other people using. Um, and then after a while, then I'd go back and either shadow with them or shadow with somebody else and pick up something that, something that they learn. And even now that I have people shadowing me constantly, I'm even learning from them. So it's good to every once in a while go and, um, you know, shadow someone different, even, even after you've been doing the job for a while, just to see how somebody else does it. Yeah. So it's huge. That was huge for me. Do you think, um, and I've, I've, you know, had, I went like when I was selling full time, I would hear people say like, Oh, he's just a natural salesman. That's why he's really good. Or like, you know, it helps if, you know, you know, if guy looks a certain way or girl looks a certain way or whatever. And it kind of like diminishes the hard work that you're putting into it. And I think, you know, you're like good looking dude, great shape, really fun, charismatic. Do you think that um, that's the reason why you're a good salesman? Or would you say no, like maybe those things are helpful but the reason I'm a good salesman is because of work ethic or, you know, the time you put into studying the door approach, like all those little details. And I think, I think what I'm getting at is I think a lot of people are just like, 
well, oh, if I looked like Eric, yeah, I'd be really good too. And you're like, no, that's not why I'm good. I don't see, I don't see myself as good looking at all. And I really, this is kind of weird, but I really think that a lot of my skills on the doors come from being rejected so much going after girls back in the day, you know? Um, you know, I always was attracted to girls that were kind of out of my league. I'm not the best looking guy, but I've always kind of, you know, studied what things I need to do and what things I need to say in order to be able to attract girls out of my league, if I'm able to say this. So, you know, it comes down to, and the same thing with customers, it's exactly the same. So being rejected for me, uh, especially growing up and through college and stuff too, I'm used to that. So it doesn't really get to me emotionally. And then you have to ask yourself, you know, what are, what are some things that girls look for um, in guys that, you know, if they don't have the looks to be able to attract them in the first place. And, and number one, the first thing I always do when I go into someone's house, I always look around to see if I can find something that we have in common. Mm. Always, always, I'm looking around, looking at paintings, looking at the mantle, trying to find clues for different things that we either have in common or that would be something that I'm passionate about. Or even if I know someone that's passionate about that, just to have a common ground. And then obviously, um, you know, kind of being funny or being silly, not acting like a salesperson at all. Um, I mean, there's, there's a time and a place for that when you're going over the presentation, but building rapport, you know, I'll actually, sometimes I'll, I'll chase the pets around the house, you know, I'll do some really weird things that's kind of disarming to people because they're like, wow, this guy's kind of weird and goofy, but I kind of like him. You know, I'm not salesy at all. I'm not pushing anything on them whatsoever. So I think kind of being funny, uh, building trust, being relatable, um, are, are some huge, huge things that I try to do, you know, beyond the, the realm of just pushing the information about solar on them and building rapport is huge. So if you were taking a, a guy who is brand new at this and you're like, all right, step one to getting someone to like you, yeah. find some stuff in common that you have with a customer. Right. So clues in the house, clothes they're wearing, car they're driving, just anything, anything you can talk about that you know a little bit about and you can relate to them with. 100%, and pets are great. People love their pets, you know? And like I'll even, you know, have us a little little pet voice, like, oh my God, he's so cute! And I, start, I act a little more feminine <laughs> when I'm in the house too, you know? So, and for some reason, people, they respond well to that. So I might chase the cat. Yeah, how do you describe bit. yourself? He's weird, but I like him. He's weird, but I like him, yeah. <laughs> a little weird, but I like that, but I like that guy, you know? Yeah. I always make sure when I leave the house at the end, I'm always kind of high energy and I try to say something kind of funny or um, just something. So when they leave, I know the husband, wife, they're talking to themselves. That guy's, that guy's cool. I like that guy. Or, yeah. You know, he's, he's a friendly, charming guy. So, right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important. So, and I would give this advice to anyone is um, my, my goal when I was selling is I don't want the customer to view me as like, Hey, there's this guy named Adam who sells solar. I want it to be, hey, we have this friend who happens to sell solar, right? Right, and I'm trying to cross that that line as fast as I can. I want to go from solar guy named Adam to friend that sells solar. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's so it's like you have to act like a friend when you're in the home. And a friend asks them about their trip. A friend asks them about their cat. A friend asks them about the painting. You know what I mean? Like friends are interested in each other, yeah. right? So exactly. if you're genuinely interested in these people and they can see that and sense that it's genuine as well, then they're a lot more likely to like you. Right. You know. And even after a welcome call and stuff like that too, like I might text them um, if there's a certain restaurant they like or and some sort of something that they specialize in, I might ask them a question. Like one of the guys um, was, he was he, he was in, he was one of the um, 
what do you do like a rehabilitation for orthopedic surgeon or something like that yeah. and I actually reached out to him before and I sent him some pictures of my knee after the welcome call and just asked him some questions you know so it's nice just to let them know that you're a human and not just the sales machine that's out and about looking to you know put these things on people's roofs yeah. you know like you're, you're like a real human terminator out there just like cyborg yeah. walking around neighborhoods and that's it yeah like some people when i've seen some people's cads and stuff too they're very mechanical you know, they just kind of go in there and like okay we're gonna sit down and do a presentation now i'd say about more than half the time i'm there is just kind of shooting the shit with them yeah and, and talking to them like real yeah person. How, what's the percentage um on a first say a, your first door knock your first visit what's the percentage of sales conversation versus the getting to know them conversation i'd say about 50 50 you know and then like even when i'm outside on the doors too like i don't act salesy at all i used to in the beginning i used to be like mm -hmm. hey my name's eric how's it going you know now i think it's my energy changes when i'm outside the door i act like i'm getting paid 12 bucks an hour mm -hmm. you know i'm like hey how's it going my name's eric i look at the app i don't even really pay, pay too much attention to him i start pointing around the streets and at the telephone lines oh jesus and um, you know, acting like I'm just there, matter of fact. This is my job. This is what we're doing. Okay. Um, I don't act too excited. I don't act like I'm trying to sell anything. Yeah, you're supposed to be there. It's part of the job. I'm just here. This is what we're doing. You know, I got to give you the information. Mm -hmm. Grab, grab your bill. Let's put this together. Got it. And then once I'm in the house, then I open up and they see my personality. Okay. And I'm super friendly and you know, bubbly, and it's a whole different vibe from outside to inside the house. Got it. Because you want, by the end of the time you walk out of there, them to be like, yeah, he's kind of weird, but I like him. Yeah. yeah. Like, I literally lay, I like lay on the ground. Some people will see me during cats. They're like, what are you doing? You know, I'll be laying on the ground with the cat, you know, taking selfies with the cat. Like, people think I'm nuts when I do cats. Yeah. I think on second visits, I think it's a really good time to really showcase your personality. Yeah. And I think most customers are, especially if you want to like take a picture, like, I'll take pictures with customers all the time. Yeah. And I'll even just tell them, I'll say, hey guys, like I know this is gonna kinda of sound funny, but um, my sales team right now, we're doing this funny competition to like see who can do the funniest picture with a customer. I'm like, are you guys game for like helping me out kind mm. of thing? And they're like, yeah, what do you got in mind or whatever? Like they're totally down if you frame it the right way. Right. And you've also taken the time to build the relationship leading up to it. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you can't do that kind of stuff in the very beginning because then you'll customers are like, what are you doing? You know? But mm. it's like once they trust you, once they get to know that you're a normal guy, you know? And I do that at, at the end of my CADs too, because with my photo booth end of things, I'm used to taking funny, silly photos, you know, right. for, for my other business. So at the end, I'll always ask people, I'll tell them that, like, hey, you know what I always do at the end of the presentations, I take a picture, and if you guys make it to install, um, you know, at the end of the year at my home office wall, I have a bunch of pictures of all my customers all tiled up with a picture of their homes and then I put the year on it. So, I, mm. you know, so I make a huge poster of it. That's cool. So I'll have them look around the house. I'm like, you know, and then I'll show them on my iPad, some photos of people like holding up their pets or, you know, holding up pots and pans, like really weird, funny so stuff. You show them examples. Just to be silly. Yeah. We'll show them examples. Yeah. And then they'll look around. I'm like, what can we get for this funny photo? So like, we're kind of happy. We have like a moment together. We look around the house. I pick up a plant or one lady picked up her ferret and it bit me in the ear. You know, just like <laughs> random stuff. People love that though. Because then, the, then you leave. And that's what that's like right at the end of when you're done talking to them. Yeah. And you leave the house and you, I text it to them afterwards, like a couple hours later. You know, the silly photo that we took together. And, uh, and in my presentation, I actually have a bunch of the photos at the very end that I'll show people on my slide that has a bunch of people tiled up. Sometimes people are like, hey, I know that guy, or they'll see how much fun I'm having with other customers. Yeah. So it's an experience. You create that experience for them. 
by kind of goofing around a little bit and showing them that you like to have fun. Do you think that's what surprised you the most about this job transitioning from your last job to this job is that how much fun you seem to have with this job? You got to have fun. I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, if you're just out there kind of going door to door and you have the the same pitch and the same tone and you're kind of getting rejected, it gets, it gets you. You got to have fun. You got to be yeah. goofy a little bit. You know, sometimes people um, will kind of come at me with some funny things. They'll be like, well, I'm not interested in solar. I'm like, I'm not inter interested in solar either. You know, and they look at you like, what? You know, so I'm always goofing around. I always kind of say some weird, funny things to throw people off a little bit. But uh, the main thing is, you know, always have fun. Always yeah. have fun. And it's intentional though, right? I mean, it's like you, you make a point of having fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you have to. Otherwise, you go insane. <laughs> I think um, I've thought this before. I mean, I've been doing door-to-door -door for since 2004 and there's so many things that i do when i'm out knocking that are purely just for my own entertainment right that's what because i i'm like i will i'll lose my mind if i just like robotically go through the day every day yeah and there's so many times where i'll do things or i'll say things or i'll even think things i'm like i wish somebody could have like been here to see that because that, right. that was like that was good stuff yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you're like it's too bad nobody saw it like no one's yeah. even gonna believe this story you right. know right yeah so uh um, yeah i do, we do that combine so i had this combine got out with me and uh, and it was raining and uh, but it was the it was nice out but it was raining a little bit and mm -hmm. it was just brutal so at every door I was giving them like different names I'm like yeah this is Lex Luthor this is DJ Khaled you know and people <laughs> and people wouldn't even pick up on it you know yeah uh, and we were having a blast you know he was just kind of holding in his laughter at the same time and this is like his first experience knocking his with his first anyone. experience yeah. ever knocking yeah we had a blast though but what that but, shows he, what that shows him is that this job is fun yeah can be fun right exactly yeah. Um, what do you think has surprised you the most transitioning from your previous, you know, owning a, a business to this job? I think it's very similar, you know, because um, you're, you're wearing all the hats. You're doing everything. You know, you're, you're progressing the accounts. You're gaining their interest. Um, you're the one kind of selling them. You're, you're doing everything. You know, so it's the same exact thing as before. And I'm developing different systems to be able to kind of help me along the way. Um, I have text messages that I kind of schedule. And I have a certain systems I follow and certain things happen to help me kind of be be efficient. So it's, you know, you're running, you're running your own business. So you have to wear all the hats. I think something that, you know, this perspective that you have from owning your own company to doing this job has been a huge part of your success. And, um, when you own your own company, you just know that the buck stops with you. Anything that went wrong with that event, you know, you were doing events, weddings, whatever, like something goes wrong, it's on you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you may even initially think, oh, I could blame someone, this, that, whatever. But at the end of the day, to prevent it from happening again at the next event, you immediately start thinking, how can I prevent that problem from happening again? Right. Mm -hmm. And so you just understand that pretty much everything is within your control if you think about it the right way in terms of like fixing or preventing things from going wrong, right? So I think, um, you know, the people that are most successful at this job have that same type of mentality. They have that ownership mentality where they just, they take the approach that if something goes wrong, that there was probably something they could have done differently to have uh, created a different result or have prevented it from happening to begin with. So yeah. um, an example would be like, say a surveyor shows up late to a survey or just something happens with an account. 
instead of just blaming the surveyor, blaming the company or whatever, I feel like the best reps are always thinking, all right, um, this went wrong, but what could I have done different to have prevented that from happening? Could it have been calling the surveyor in the morning or, or you know, being in better communication with the company on a specific issue or just whatever, right? So how do you feel like that mentality from owning your own business has transferred to success in this job? I think it's just having you know, different systems in place um, to be able to know how to kind of communicate with the customer and what to do if certain things happen. And I keep a log of all these things too. So I have, I have a list of certain objections and kind of how to, how to deal with them. And then also too, like even if I get a cancel or something like that, or if someone's feeling hesitant, how to kind of draw that out of them um, in a professional way that's kind of sensitive to their feelings. That's not too salesy, mm. you know, it's like, Hey, I'm here for you. Like, and what, what's going on? You know, talk to me. Like I'm, I'm cool. I'm not your sales guy. I'm, I'm Eric, you know, the guy that was chasing your cats around the house, you know, right. I'm your buddy. So you, you can, you can chat with me. Um, and then, you know, kind of making a log of all these different things is really helpful. And I kind of look through and I have a, I have an Excel spreadsheet, um, and a notepad that kind of goes over all these different scenarios as they happen and what I did and what I could have done better. And mm. I'll even, I'll ask people, I'll be, I'll be like, Hey, help me understand. And that's one thing that Guy always, that's one phrase Guy always uses, help me understand. Cause we want to be understood as humans, you know, or, um, so I always will ask that I'll phrase it that way. Hey, help mm. me understand why did this happen? Or, 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 or why did that happen? Or what, what could I have done better in this situation so I can be, be better at my job? Because I really care and I'm passionate about this and I have a great reputation in this city. So I want to know how I could have better served you. Yeah. You know, and I get like emotional with it. Or people aren't answering me too. I know I'm kind of going off topic here. You know, I'll try to text them a couple of times and then at the end, um, I'll ask them, I'll say, hey, you know, you know, I really had a great time, you know, chatting with you um, and you guys seem like you were really interested in the program. Um, you know, what, what did I do wrong exactly, you know, throughout the process? Cause I haven't heard back from you guys that way I can learn moving forward, like hit him with the emotion, you know, make him feel as though like you're emotionally hurt from yeah, this. You're in a, you're a human, you're a human. Yeah. yeah. At first I'm just like, Hey, what's going on? We're trying to schedule this appointment Play cool. or whatever it may be. I'm cool about it. So that, so that, that hit him with the emotions kind of your, like your last Hail Mary. That's your last Hail Mary. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Cause if otherwise I, fails, I feel like it could that. come off. So like if I'm a new rep listening to this, to be clear, I think it could come off as a little um, clingy and needy if you hit him with that right in the beginning. Right. Like, hey, what the heck? I thought we had a good, you know, right. I thought we had a good experience. Like, yeah. now you're ghosting me? Like, WTF? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? They're going <laughs> to yeah. be like, bro, like, chill. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But you're hitting him with, like, the really just, like, low-key stuff. Hey, what's going on? Like, if I'm, I'm going to be in the area on Tuesday if you're around. Like, just, like, those kinds of, like, just really easy things. And then your last final ditch effort is finally just like, Hey, like, you know, I'm just kind of curious. I understand if you guys don't want it, but I'm just, just so I can get better. Like, was there something that I did wrong that nice. made you guys not want to do? Cause I really am take my job serious and I want to get better at it. And if, Honestly, I just appreciate the feedback if you guys would be willing to share with me. Yeah. You and know? It's, it's surprising how many people, like, after you'll send numerous text messages and phone calls, yeah. when you hit them with that, and I always wait. I'll wait. Like, I might, try, I might hit them a couple of days in a row or wait a couple of days in between, but I usually wait, like, four or five days so they haven't heard from me for a while, so they think I'm gone yeah. or they're not expecting me. And then I'll maybe I'll do it, like, later on at night, at, like, 7.30, like, 8 o'clock at night. They probably maybe, like, you know, 
on like a Sunday or something like that or whatever it may <laughs> yeah. be. When you so think they're going to be home. When I think they're going to be home and maybe like I'm reflecting on my week or, or whatever it may be. But usually at night I'll send that text and I get a lot of responses back and then they tell me what their real objection is or if they're busy, they'll mm. let me know. So, or whatever it is, then I'll try to pick up on the conversation again. But I save a lot of deals that way just by hitting them with the emotional aspect of it. How many installs do you think you've saved that had canceled on you at one point in the process and then you save them? A good amount. I don't know how many exactly, but but a decent amount, a decent amount. Mm. Um, like a percentage? I don't know. That's good to say. That's tough Even to say. Even just like last quarter, Q4. You had 27 installs last quarter? Yeah, probably like five. Okay. Probably four or five. So you don't have franchise unless you do that. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, they'll cancel on me and then, or I won't even hear from them or they'll just send an email in and I'll see the cancellation notice. I'll just show up to their house. Mm. You know, I'll just show right back. Okay, up. so let's get, let's, let's. I don't even call them. I want to, I want everyone listening to, uh, you have a customer who gets sideways on you, is canceling. Step one, step two, step three, what are you doing? So I'll reach out to them. I'll try to call them at first. And then if they don't pick up, uh, if I get like a text message from them. I'll How fast are you calling the moment you see they're canceling or they text you, hey, we don't want to do it? Like Usually right away. I won't do it like instantaneously because then I look a little desperate and I'm busy. I got other stuff going on. I want right. them to at least think that. And then I'll, then I'll reach back out. So if they don't pick up, I'll just show up at their house you know, later, later on that night. You know, and, and you, show, like, up, like, no, you show up when you think they're going to be home. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll ask him straight up like, Hey, what's going on? You guys seem really interested. Things were going really well. You guys have a perfect home for solar. Everything's approved. You know what? So what, what happened? You know, what's, what's going on? And what, you know, what's, what, what's kind of, what's your, what's your thought process here? Cause some people, they don't, they're non-confrontational. Most people are not confrontational. Mm. They don't want to tell you, they don't want to talk about it. So, but if you're there in front of them face to face, they have to give you an answer. So it's much yeah. easier. It's awkward. It's weird. Cause they cancel on you. You feel this negative energy, yeah. but you know, but they still, they, and they, they still they're looking out the window like, Oh God, that Eric guy, the, the cat chaser the cat is out chaser in front of the guy. house. Yeah. 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 That guy's so. going to try and, you know, touch our cat again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. I just show back up and, uh, and make them face me really. Yeah. Face yeah. the music, face the music, baby. That's right. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier to save a deal if you can get face to face. Yeah. You can just say, Hey, like what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. I found the same success. Um, when I see negative comments online, So, like on Facebook, you see these like city, like group pages and you'll see, um, I've even had like one of my customers, like give a really negative review about the company before. Mm -hmm. And I, um, sent them a message and I was like, Hey, I saw your review online. Like, I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, I actually makes me feel really bad because I felt like I had a really good relationship with you. And if you felt that way, I, I honestly would have just assumed you would have come to me about it instead of posting it in a public place that's right. hurting my business. Right. And she immediately responded to me and like apologized. She deleted the comment. And then she later was like an advocate, like defending me and the company against other negative comments like oh, yeah. down the road. So like, I think the the moral of the story is if you're just willing to go have an honest conversation with a customer and willing to hear negative feedback too, then you're actually going to have a much better experience overall and you'll create a better experience for the customer, right? Yeah, so of course, yeah. Um, how much of your business is referrals? Not enough. Not enough. Um, I started being more firm with that um, recently, actually. 
where after an install, I'll either, I'll either go and meet with them, sit mm-hmm. down with them. I really need to do the Facebook thing or become friends on Facebook and then have them post and tag me on Facebook. Uh, but you have to be prepared to answer any questions that people may you know, talk about on solar and comment on. Yeah. And usually, you know, people have a lot to say. So that, so that, that's one aspect that I'm working on. That's actually on my list of things to do for, for this year. And one of my goals, but now what, one thing that Pat Hart actually showed me, which I thought was really useful is after somebody gets installed in a neighborhood, I'll go and I'll knock on their door and I'll tell them, I say, Hey, you know, awesome. Congratulations. Uh, once again, uh, and then I'll tell them, I'll say, hey, look, I'm going to go down the rest of the street here. I'm going to go knock on your neighbor's doors again. And I'm, I guarantee you one or two of your neighbors, now that they've seen you installed, they're going to be interested and they're going to want to go to install because you're installed. You know, um, if you can put me in touch with your neighbors first, I can give you a referral, you know, mm. 500 to 1,000 bucks. But if I get to them first, you don't get that referral. So is there anyone on the street that I shouldn't go knock on their door because you would like to, the, the referral money? And it just makes it so much more solid that way too. So I started doing that and that's been really, really super helpful. And I kinda, I'm kind of pushier now too, like even if they don't do that, and they're like, no, I don't know anyone at all. I'm like, okay, well, do you know anybody uh, in the area, in National Grid or Eversource territory that might be a good candidate for solar? And then I kind of tell people, you know, especially in the wintertime, like, hey, you know, my door is, my job's door to door. I'm out here, um, you know, when it's raining, when it's snowing, when it's cold, when it's hot, um, you know, I got you a brand new free roof on your house here. You know, so if you can give me at least three people, I'd really appreciate it. You know, can I count on you? And I use that phrase. Can I count on you for mm. give me at least three people? You don't have to do it right now. Some people like to pull it out of them right there on the spot. That's not really my style. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'll text you in two days. You know, think about, you know, does anyone come to mind? And I'll kind of like put them on the spot real quick. Those, oh, yeah, my uncle or my aunt or whoever, my friend, so-and-so. And I'll make, oh, what's your friend's name? Joe? And then whoever it is. And then I'll text them a couple of days later and say, hey, you know, I'm, you know, you're kind of chatting about your friend Joe who might be interested. I can send you a text message and you can put us on a group text to kind of introduce us. Um, and then I can kind of kind of take it from there. And that's been working out really well. But you really got to be pushy with that because people won't just do it out of the goodness of their own heart. You really got to push them. What's changed in your sales game from the time you started to today? Like what's what, what have you say you've improved the most on or the biggest changes that you've personally gone through that's helped you be a lot more successful today than you were when you first started? I think when I first started, I was just so eager to push numbers and I was just blowing through doors like crazy. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't that great. I was going more quantitative than qualitative conversations. Basically. I think now that I've kind of more established my skills and my approach and my door knocking abilities, I spend more time in a neighborhood Mm. and I don't just blow through doors. And I really think that that's helped out big time. Um, just kind of in building momentum in my city. Yeah. That that makes a, it's been a, it's been a huge, huge change. Um, yeah, but that doesn't mean that the volume's gone down because you're, I think a lot of, I think a lot of, um, sales reps must make the mistake of thinking you can't have quality and volume. And they're like, well, I'm not going to sell as many, but the ones I sell are going to be really, really solid sales. Hmm. And then what they do is they actually stop working as hard. And they just are like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to go out and be like a sniper. I'll just go out and get one sale. That'll be my one for the day. Like, you know, and it's like, no, like you're still putting in crazy hours. I mean, you, you, you had one of the all time great months of, I'd say you have one, maybe one of the greatest Januaries in terms of upfront production that maybe in the history of the company, like 
like for real. It's because you guys have been traveling all February. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you've been doing a lot of trips in February, yeah. but in January, January, walk us through. Do you remember the exact number of welcome calls you had each week in January? I was averaging like eight or nine, I think. Yeah, I mean, you were the number one rep on the East Coast, I think, like five straight weeks. Yeah, because um, I was preparing for. February because I was going to be away. You guys sent me to Utah and then Orlando. You guys were taking me off the doors here. So I had to make up for it and build some momentum. So that way when I came back, my numbers were still, you know, out where I'd want them to be. So I hustled. I got out way earlier than I normally do. I stayed out way later than I normally do um, to be able to prepare for the weeks I was going to be away. So the, there's a couple things if you're, you know, new to the job or even experienced reps that you can take from this one. If you have a vacation coming up, what the mistake most people make is they go on the vacation and they're like, Oh, I got to kill it when I get home. Right. You said, no, I'm going to kill it now so that when I'm on vacation, I can actually enjoy my vacation and just chill. Knowing that you put in the work for the five weeks leading up to these weeks that you're going to be traveling. The second thing is you didn't allow these trips that the company's sending you on, by the way, these weren't like voluntarily voluntary vacations you were going on. Like, Everything you've done in February, the company has sent you on. Um, you didn't use that as an excuse to have a bad quarter or to have a bad second quarter even. You're just like, no, I'm hitting franchise, so I know I'm going to be gone these weeks. I've got to crush the first five weeks of the year exactly. so that I don't miss my numbers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, talk to us about one of the things I love watching you on social media, which um, – if you don't follow Eric, don't follow me. <laughs> I hesitate to even encourage anyone to follow you because Eric's highly inappropriate That's at inappropriate, times on yeah. his uh, Instagram. But um, my mom would disown me if she ever saw my social media. <laughs> but um, so it bad. just kind of is who he is. It's his personality, and um, I think you've described it before as kind of an outlet for you. Definitely. But um, yeah. but uh, you're always talking about. And you do it in a very unique kind of funny way, but you're always expressing gratitude toward the company and the opportunity through your social media, but it's in a way that's like funny, right? So like, give us an example of like, uh, uh, an appropriate way that you've, you know, and I don't even know if you can, there's always like a slightly inappropriate, like a comment you'll make when you're expressing gratitude, but like you refer to Sunrun as like, what daddy it's, it's like my sugar daddy you know? <laughs> really is my sugar, sugar daddy, daddy. Sunrise, i've never had a sugar daddy but i feel i just feel like a spoiled sugar baby i love it i love it <laughs> i absolutely love it sending me on these trips are paid for and then i get back and it's another trip and then you guys send me a thousand bucks gift card or whatever it is shoes so, it's great it's great I mean, it's awesome clothes yeah. coats all kinds of stuff yeah. yeah oh yeah it's been amazing it's amazing so uh, now I know what it's like to be one of these, um, you know, Instagram sugar <laughs> girls babies. that just get <laughs> exactly flown around all over yeah, the place. Their special talent is being hot. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that's like your special talent is you're really good at sales, and so we, you know, the company has treated you well. It works out well. I love those girls. Like they just have photos of themselves in Paris. Like they went by themselves on the trip. Right. You know? Like you know, there's a sugar daddy up there somewhere. Right. Like they paying for the like trip. They haven't made yeah. a single penny. Like you know, through an actual job. Like right. it's just theirs. You know, they're they're just hot. That's right. That's right. Well, so Sunrun is the best sugar daddy I've ever had. <laughs> love you, Sunrun. Love you, Sunrun. That's funny. So how um, I you know I think especially for all the single guys listening, uh, Eric is definitely a, uh, 
ser- I would say over the years, a you know kind of serial dater, Jeez. you know serial dating uh, guy. Boston's Boston's most eligible bachelor. I don't know about that. But okay. So okay. Uh, how does this how does this job relate to? dating or say you know getting girls because you've told me like growing up like you were like pretty insecure like you didn't you weren't like getting like had a hard time like yeah getting girls you know struggle they say so it was um, a big struggle yeah so how does this job relate to it what are some things that you would say you know that kind of correlate between the two things well i think now i mean i've made so many sacrifices now to be able to work as much as i do that my social life just completely gone yeah as it is um you know and even with my friends too as well like i barely even go out all i all i care about now is just work and that's that's it and making the money um and you know developing relationships with people at work so i'm fully bought in so, yeah. you know everyone that i hang out with now is pretty much all sunrun people i still see my friends here and there but i mean i'm not out of the bars and clubs and drinking and stuff like that i mean i'm okay. literally just i wake up every day go to the gym get pumped up because i go to work and and fire up my work hours you know that's it this is my life now so step one for any single guy listening especially if you want to be a top performer it requires some sacrifice sacrifice yeah Yep. So what are it's some things you've sacrificed, cost. do you think? Um, I used to go out. I used to drink. I gave up drinking altogether. Just all together? All together, yeah. I don't drink anymore because you can't you know, be hung over on the doors. And there's no way you'd mentally be able to, to handle it. So I don't drink. I gave that up. I don't really go to clubs. I don't go pop bottles and chase girls around and stuff too. Yeah. Um, that was my passion. That was my life before. I'm actually selling my boat. My boat's like, God, man, that is a huge distraction for me. You know, because we'll go out, we'll drink all day, and then go back to my place and drink all night, and then you just feel like crap for three days in a row. So I'm actually selling that in the spring too, as well, just so I can focus on this job. Mm. This opportunity is crazy. I mean, this is literally it's life changing money. Yeah, this is setting me up for the future. I'm gonna work and grind this out as hard as I can for as long as I can, and I'll be you know sitting pretty in a couple of years. You know, hopefully, you know, with enough um, passive income coming in from investments, I'm gonna make from the money that I'm making from Sunrun. That's awesome. The time is here and now. You know, you can party later. You know, one of the favorite, I thought, what was it? I think it was like 311. I, I had read a quote the other day. I think it was like. <laughs> Just for the record, we're about to hear our first 311 no, quote yeah, on Electric I People. It, I think it was 311. I read yeah. some quote randomly. It was like, the fish that keeps on swimming um, is the first to chill upstream. I thought that was, thought that was pretty cool. What does that mean? It means that basically the fish that, that works hard uh, and keeps pushing to get upstream. Once you're actually finally upstream, you can chill, you can relax, like you've made it. So I'm gonna work hard now uh, as much as I can to be able to build enough momentum to be able to chill later, you know? So yeah. once once I have some investments and some passive income, don't have to worry about money anymore. That's well, it's, it's funny you say that. I was talking to a friend of mine just yesterday and he was saying, he was telling me how the way his work pays him, he's now deferring the majority of his income straight to investments and mm. he's like building all this, you know, wealth. Same. And he, he's like, he's like, it's so crazy. I don't understand why everybody isn't doing this. And I'm like, that's because most people need their paycheck to live. Right. They need their paycheck to actually make their bills. He's like, well, yeah, they got to stop doing that. They got to stop living that way. They need to start, you know, investing their money. I'm like, well, that's not how it works. They're in the rat race. They can't get out of it because they need the money that they're making to sustain their lifestyle. Mm. And he goes, yeah, they need to stop doing that for three years, live poor for three years, save everything they have, and then they can 
live like no one else does from that point forward. Right. right? So, yeah. but it's like, and I'm like, well, that's really easy to say. It's super hard to do. Hmm. So, um, but you're doing it. I mean, it's like, you're, you're like seeing the big picture. And I think a lot of our guys, when they start making money, guys and girls, they start making money. The temptation is so strong to make big purchases um, because it kind of validates like the hard work you're doing. Right. And it kind of, it kind of feels like, you know, I'm a door to door salesman. Well, well, you know, I just bought a brand new car. What have you done? You know? And it's mm-hmm. like, there's this like stigma with door to door sales. So like the temptation there to always like flaunt kind of what you're making. Right. Right. So, and I've seen you do the opposite. I've seen you, um, you know, we, I mentioned, you know, when you had your previous company, like you were driving a sick Range Rover, you get rid of the Range Rover like six months ago, mm. instead of just blowing it on something, you know, brand new, you drive your mom's RAV4 for like Purple six RAV4. months. That's right. And you just make, and by the way, at this time you were making an, a lot, a lot of money at the time you were hitting franchise doing very, very well. Yeah. You could have easily gone and bought a brand new car. But instead, you're like, no, I'm going to delay my gratification, drive the RAV4 for six months, save up a little bit, and eventually you end up buying a Tesla. Um, and it was like a very much a work vehicle for you. Yeah. But like, talk to us a little bit about like the importance or like, where did you learn that, that, that principle of delaying your gratification or like, how did that mindset happen? I think it comes with age too. Like I'm older, I'm 41. You know, I know a lot of these guys too. My mindset was so different when yeah, I was younger. I wasn't younger. sure if you wanted me to tell your age on the, on the podcast. Oh, just so I, was, I know you're sensitive about your age. Yeah. I do a little Botox with fillers <laughs> and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So hey man, it is what it is. You know, I gotta keep up with that stuff. Um, <laughs> I think your age is actually, sorry to sidetrack. I think it's actually a big part of your story though, because like, it's not like you were this like 27 year old guy running a party business. Like right. you were 40 years old running a highly successful entertainment company. Yeah. One of the premier companies in Boston. Yeah. All of a sudden life comes at you fast. COVID hits, blow out your knee, like all that starting a new career, door to door sales as a 39 year old. And you're now just sitting there knocking doors going, what is my life right now? And then you're like, screw it. I'm going to just crush this thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So finish your thought. Comes with age. So so I think, yeah, the younger version of myself would have looked at things differently because, you know, you get the fear of missing out. All your friends are going out. They're going to bars. You know, your social life is everything when you're in your 20s, you know, early 30s. And, uh, and it's tough. It's, it's really tough to be able to kind of stay stray away from that. Now that I'm older and I kind of look at things a little bit differently, you know, I'm looking towards the the future than the initial gratification of, you know, going out and spending my money on tables and expensive watches and shoes and cars and things of that sort. I'm looking at the bigger picture with this opportunity, like it's life changing money. So why not use this money to, to build a future uh, and to be to be smart with it? And a lot of the guys on the team, too, uh, that I see, you know, they'll work for a little bit, they'll make some money and then they'll stop, you know, and I don't really understand that that mentality. You know, like I don't just go out and get a, get an AC or a welcome call and then go home for the day. You know, I work the hours, I stay out there. Um, you know, if I fail or if I win, regardless of what happens, I'm working the hours, I'm hitting the doors, more doors equals more money, you know, and that's, you know, goes towards more future investments to be able to help yourself to, to retire. I'm going to retire off this job. 
you know. What was your schedule like in January? It was crazy. Um, I mean, I'd wake up early, I'd go to the gym. I think I was out by like, I don't know, 11, something like that, working till So on non-meeting days, non-meeting days, you're in the field by 11. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, usually I'm out from one until seven, one until eight, typically something like that. This, in the winter time, maybe seven, seven or something like that. But I was yeah. out super early. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't look at social media. I wouldn't look at my phone. I, I pee in my car. I know that sounds weird. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I can cover myself up, you know, but like to save time, <laughs> I pee in my car. I know that sounds a little weird, but like, I mean, that's how just focused I am because by the time I go to Dunkin' Donuts, pee and then come back, it's a half hour. And I drink a lot of water, I'm constantly drinking water. So it saves so much time. So I'm doing whatever I can to just really stay focused um, on making the most I can during those hours before it gets dark. Hmm. So, so you just collect a bunch of bottles of urine. I have a big jug I pee into. You know, a lot of the guys at the office, they won't admit it, but they, they pee in the car too. <laughs> I don't know how to work for girls or whatever, but, you know, but it works. It works. I'm not me. sure we can, you know, I'm not sure we can endorse that as a sun run best yeah. practice. Yeah. But um, I think John Sanders does that. I think that's where I learned it from. Yeah. yeah. John. I mean, John's a different breed <laughs> altogether, but uh yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, dude, your your energy is so contagious and it's it's been you've been a really amazing influence on that team. You know, Boston North is one of our top teams in the company and it's really tough to to come into that team and make a name and build a reputation as fast as you have. Yeah. And you know, we have guys that have worked on that team for years and um everybody views you as, you know, kind of an unofficial leader on that team. And so it's the, it's the work ethic. It's the enthusiasm for the job. It's, it's the success that you've had. Right. So anyone listening, if you're like, man, how do I come into this environment as a new rep and make an impact fast? And how do I, how do I rise kind of through the ranks quickly? I think you're like the blueprint for that, where you've come into a company that's very established. One of the most established teams we've ever had and very, very quickly establish yourself as someone that everybody views as, you know, a leader on that team. So it's been awesome. But um, anything that you want to leave us with, any final thoughts you want to leave uh, all the, the Sunrun army of sales guys out there before we wrap up? Good question. I mean, honestly, and it's just so generic. I know that Don Gomez always says that too. He says it's always easier to work or to function 100% of the time versus 90% of the time, being consistent as far as consistency mm. goes. And that's probably one of the the biggest things that kind of keep me motivated and keep me moving on the doors just to get out there, you know? Um, and that's, that's huge, just working the hours and that's it and eliminating as many distractions as you can. That's it. That's it. Those are the plain principles to, to be successful at this job. And journal, you know, journal at the end of the day, write down what things you did that were or improvements, what things you need to improve on. Um, and kind of study it and improve your crafts. That's that's it. It's really it's that it's that simple. What we do is easy, but it's but it's hard, as yeah. Don Gomez always says. But that's it. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, and uh, everybody. That was another episode of Electric People. Eric Bonarigo. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.